Hello, this is the, again, Chris and Luke podcast with Chris and Luke. We haven't come up with a name still on our now second episode. Our first one will not be aired because, yeah, nobody will see it. What? Because the audio is bad. I mean, that seems like a shot at me, but okay. It's not a shot at you, it's just, I think it was just because of the two microphone setup was a little bit weird, so... Um, I bet we bet we probably could do two again, but probably just turn the volume and gain all the way down on the mics. But anyway, yeah. So since they didn't get to uh, our, our listeners, our so many, that, that many was listeners. that was episode zero point zero. This is episode zero point one. Yes. So. This one will probably be on air. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say zeros don't count, and if it's zero, zero, then it really doesn't count. Okay. Anyway, introduction to ourselves, I guess, then. So, me, Chris, I am 22 years old, and I hail from Fort Collins, Colorado, originally. We don't actually have to go into these details, but, um, yeah, the biggest thing with this podcast is both of us are D2 runners at the Colorado School of Mines, and that's part of the podcast, not all of it, so we run for that team, and that's mostly the background information you need to know. <laughs> yep. Um, about me. Yeah, I mean... I'm you, got really... any, you got any anecdotes about me that you want to share we'll to get, the viewers? Well, I'm sure they'll come up. Yeah. I'm sure they'll come up. Oh, boy. I got lots of stories about Luke. So many. <laughs> Luke's like, no, please. Right, what are we talking about today? We are talking about, in this podcast today, kind of the last week or two or so, we'll probably go over conference a little bit in our title win again. Man, I had a good race. Yeah, Luke had the best race out of all of them. He did, he... he it was impossible for him to get last. Not nobody that, beat him. Not being entered means you can't get last. So. Yeah, and nobody can beat you. So, Luke, Luke's undefeated um, in that specific race. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about baseball, World Series, Atlanta Braves mostly, because fuck the Astros. And I'll just sit here and nod. Be like, yeah. yes, stick to ball. Yes, he hit the ball with the stick real good. Yeah, then we'll talk about basketball, too. We'll talk about Luke topics as well. Luke, Luke, what topics are we, we, you, you sharing today that we, that we, that we discussed? Whatever comes to mind. I've gone to two Nuggets games in the last week, which I think is a new record for me, which yeah. at this rate is going to get broken pretty quickly. Um, I definitely decided that whenever Jamal comes back, I don't care how expensive the tickets are, I'm going to that game. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll just kind of get right into it. Um, first thing, we won our conference, again, the RMAC, the best conference in Division Two. Five out of six years. Five out of six years, yes, three straight. Um, yeah. Which is pretty fun. Um, I think for our team, though, it was, the biggest part of it was being home. I think, like, having it at our home core, like... 
for us to host and for us to host for be be the first time we've hosted in the last seventeen years was kind of the big storyline I think about it in that we needed to win because of that reason. Um, well, I, I, I didn't feel like, I guess I didn't race, so I can't really speak to like how it affected the, your guys' performances, but I kind of felt like we didn't get as much of an advantage as we probably should have yeah. hosting. Like we ran on a course that, um, we'd never been on before cause it was just a golf course and we didn't get to get on the course until the, the day before, just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and it wasn't like we had a huge, like we, like, fortunately the track team showed up, which is really nice, but it wasn't like we had a huge outpouring of support. So yeah. it's not, it's not like the home, like, I mean, you get, you still got your normal home field advantage stuff. Like it was sleeping in your own bed and not having to travel, which is always nice. But I mean, I mean, it was still, it was still good. It, we like, they, it was a good atmosphere. Like it, it, it was definitely better than like traveling, but. I don't know, like, I, I guess from what you'd expect, um, going, like, what you'd expect going and hosting in your, at, in your own town, it wasn't as big of a, it wasn't as big of a deal as I guess I'd hoped for, but. Yeah, I think, as somebody who raised, because I'm not a weenie, but, okay. <laughs> Oh no, Chris! I'm tired. I want to do 100 miles this week. I don't want to race. No, no I I'm not, kidding. I mean, I wasn't tired. I just wanted to get good. That's y'all, y'all true. were like, "Eh, I don't care. I just want to run conference." But... <laughs> I I have no say. Me, I have little say. I have to... I have little say into that. Chris is like, "You're racing," and I'm like, "Okay." Um, but yeah, uh, I think as somebody who raced. I think for me it was kind of like just kind of get the job done type of thing type of day, you know. I didn't wasn't really. I think that was kind of the vibe with our team too. You know, it wasn't. Our our job was to hit the goal, hit the goals, which was you know team championship for one, and then and an individual champion too for second. Uh, that was the second goal, because um, so we wanted we wanted a uh, we wanted. Originally, to Dylan Co to get his third straight RMAC title, that was what we were hoping for. But a Dylan for mine's got it. So that's three um, Dylans in a row. That technically mine's. is three Dylans in a row. A different I Dylan I, guy. I think that still counts. <laughs> not quite, but um, Deco was probably a little tired from mileage and whatnot in training, and kind of blew up halfway through the race a little bit. Which, I mean, I think. It was, I mean, we don't have Dylan here, so I can't really speak for him at all, but, you know, there was probably a little bit of pressure to win, and, you know, again, like, we didn't taper at all for the race, so you you never know how you're going to feel, especially in a non-taper week, um, just kind of going in, like, sometimes you could feel really good, you know, kind of like Dylan Powell did, or you can feel like absolute dog crap, <laughs> and you're just tired. So I think it just kind of depends on the person a little bit too. Um, but yeah, I don't know. For me, it was just kind of get the job done. You know, I I was like, all right. Like honestly, like most of the time in that race was just me being like, okay, like where is Adams? Is like third, fourth, whatever. And I was just like, oh, okay, there's a decent amount of Adams guys here. I see Dylan fading. Like okay, I probably just need to 
make sure I can hold a good spot. Um, kind of just battling with an Adams kid for a lot of that way. He did get me at the end, but... Um, well, that was one of the big things. That's okay. I know, now. like, in past years, Adams usually sets one of their better guys. And maybe there's they somebody... Didn't. Yeah, that maybe that's something... I'm missing some guy because they kind of got a new generation coming in. Um, but other than uh, Bix, you know, coming back from injury, kind of being out for a bit, and not being 100%, he still raced fine. He was still with Jake, but, um, like... I th- I, that's a really good sign for us. Like, even back, um, like the only like the only time in the last six years we haven't won is when we decided to race a C team instead of yeah. And that was the that was the one year that Adams decided to race their A team. Um, mm-hmm. And like this year we raced maybe an A minus team, B plus team. I don't know, maybe A plus. Maybe I took maybe the getting rid of me. <laughs> Boosted no. it from an A to no, A plus, we, uh, but um, we would have. But Adam Adam said a similar, like I guess you could call it maybe the same level as ours, where like because their number one guy wasn't a hundred percent healthy, like you can say like, hey, we weren't, we didn't have one of our top five or six, and their best guy wasn't as on as he will be in a month. But like I think that's a it's a good sign. Um, it was a little closer than I thought, but that's. Probably some yeah. pro- a product of a, uh, you know, both teams going for it, and yeah. then. It honestly didn't surprise me that much how close Adams was. I thought they were pretty good going in. I think they were kind of. I think we kind of been sleeping on them a little bit. I I I don't know. I just felt like they were gonna show up a little bit at conference, and they did. Um, I think it's. It's interesting because I I mean, I I thought they were gonna show up. And I still was still kind of shocked too, though, like that. Some of those guy, Adams guys were ahead of me, and I was like, uh. I mean, granted, Adams' top guy was eight seconds ahead of me <laughs> at that meet, which is not you know, that far, um, considering we didn't taper at all. So, you know, it's. I think at the worst. You were that close to Redarte? Yep, eight seconds. Yeah, I do think. Um, shoot, what was I going to say? Yeah. Yeah, I, I made up. I made up a lot of ground on them in the last two K, and I like didn't even fully commit that last two K either. It was like I saw Dylan kind of fading, and I was like, I picked it up a little bit that last two K just to kind of be like, okay, I need to maybe make up a little bit of ground here, and then like I don't know. You you t- you yelled at me to kick, and I was like, ah, fine. And then so I was like, I like, <laughs> I like tried you to go. Have done it. Like it was like I yeah, could have. If he I, kicks like, real hard, like he, it's not where he's like. Needs a miracle, but yeah. I, I, do, I like, I caught him a little bit, but then he kind of like surged, and I was like, ah, I don't really want to do that. I talked some uh, talking to some older guys uh, days before the meet. I was guy older guys who weren't racing. Um, I did get the worry that because of how good we've been the last few years, and it feels like maybe not like historically and in the long run, but as of like the last half decade, we've kind of leapfrogged over Adams. Um, like, one of the things that they talked about, that the older guys would talk about, is, like, one of the things that made us competitive in Armax or competitive against Adams in the past was that they were so good and we were kind of, like, the little, like, the little brother. They kind of could, they, like, we, like, our strength was we could kind of sneak up on them and um, they weren't expecting us. And I guess that was a little bit of my worry 
um, which I think we avoided for the most part. But I do think, like, like I think a lot of the confidence we have in the team is warranted, but we can't start, you know, taking these really good teams for granted. Yeah. So. I think we have a little bit of motiva- motivation now because Grand Valley surpassed us as the number one team in D2, us moving down to number two, even though we won the RMAC and went down. I'm not, no, I, I, I'm like a little bummed we went down. I, like, I'd been saying the whole year, like, yeah, us and Grand Valley are both really good, and like, just depending on the day, either team could win. I still think we're, we have more depth than we're better, but, like, I was, I thought, yep, type of first, totally fine. So I was like a little bummed when we went down to second, but then like, reading comment sections, seeing these Grand Valley kids being like, oh, it's about time, as if like, it was an insult that we were tied to the top together. I think that helps us. I I think it's I I think it's like it definitely lights a fire. I'm definitely like I screenshotted that and hopefully uh, if we do our job, I'm gonna be I'm be real, real petty, petty after the season ends. Yikes! <laughs> yikes! 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 Uh, yeah, I yeah. But anyway, we won with for people who don't know if you don't didn't look at the results, uh, we won with 28 points. Adams had 43, I believe. 44 maybe something like that they were like 40s pretty good which is really, really close really i mean good. it's just granted it is a smaller field um but regionals coming up next week will be pretty much the same thing with uh like I, regionals with gonna be a tough. little bit like we'll have there's a couple changes one the ccu guys will be racing their a team so, so that's, that's three that's, that's three at least two probably three if their yeah, early three season, guys that, if their early season results hold. Yeah, three guys that will be threatening top ten at regionals, probably. I mean, that could be true. They'll be good. But, like they, yeah, they all, good. they could all reasonably think they can be top five. Um, which I think a lot of people. That's a, that's the tough thing about the region is like a lot of people can think, oh, if I have a good day, I can be top five. Yeah, I think but, realistically, um, top ten. I don't know. Should we talk about our roster changes, or are we trying to? Keep I mean, like, it's this isn't gonna come out. Like, who's gonna? Who, nobody's gonna listen to this from Adams enough. or whatever. Uh, um, the, like the difference between conference and regionals is, I I sat out conference. I'm back, but now not only is Jake sitting out, um, which I guess you could say like, eh, kind of even if it's just like we swap Luke out for Jake. Um, yeah. Me like I, I don't know and. But uh, the fact that Dylan Coe is also not going to be there, I think, does make th- things a little less sturdy, a little less secure. Yeah. Like, we have a lot less room for error. Um, like, I think... Well, I think... like It's, 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 be, it's, it's, it's going to be up to Duncan. It's a, yeah, it's a clear top five. It's a clear top five. Um, not saying... Well, not, not saying, like, John couldn't mix it yeah, up in John, there. Yeah, John, maybe. If he's having a good day, which... Like you never I don't know. know. With with his with the races that have kind of gone on, I kind of scratch up the UCCS as kind of like a wash to me, like with Kyle and John in that, because like I, I don't know. It, it just that 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 race in quotations where they, we had to get another meet in. Um, that just I mean, he did seems... well there. He uh, beat beat those. Uh, he uh, did Air well, Force but it, boys, it's like so. I I don't know. It, it was like his one good result this season. But so I guess like, what I'm saying is, in the past, like we know, we know Dylan's gonna do well, and we know uh, Dylan and Kyle 
other Dylan and Kyle are gonna do well. Yeah. And then we have for that four and five, we have options of like me, Chris, Jake, Duncan, like you just need two of those guys to have good days. But now you really have you like you have DP and Kyle mm-hmm. you can still rely on. Although like the nice thing about Dylan Coe is just that how consistent he is and like how much of just a steady force he is. Um just compared to anybody else in Division Two, mm-hmm. um, like it's just so comforting. You no, know, you have like a guarantee. Like he's gonna race well. I, I am. I never have doubts. Like that might. Like Conrad's might have been one of the worst races of his college career, and it was still. Yeah, and he was. It still was still fourth. really good. It he was, was still, still fourth. His his not good race is still like ninety fifth percentile. Yeah, um, it's pretty nuts. So, but then like you need three more spots. And you have three more spots, and you, like reasonably, you can just say me, uh, Chris, and Duncan, and we need all of those to hit. We can't have any of those blow up. Um, but like we have John holding to the back. I was thinking about this the other day that like like while we do Pride, like we still have really good depth, and like mm-hmm. we're never not going to have like solid guys coming up behind. I think. A lot of the depth that we would have, like challenging for that top five, um, is hurt right now, is out. Like Luke Loic Bow. I think we're three guys that would really like if those guys were healthy, we'd be like, Oh, we have so much depth, we don't have to really worry too much about guys sitting. But now it's just a little a little less sturdy. Yeah, we and we also lost Max too. That's another. Oh, guy. how did I forget Max? Yeah, yeah. yeah Max. I mean, this is Max, another guy who was on the 2019 national. So that, team. that's four guys yeah. added on to. I mean, you could John, you could factor John into that too, yeah. but I guess it just depends how he races um, regionals. But like, just conservatively saying, seven guys and then a f- another four that we're missing out on. <laughs> that's the other thing with like Loic. Like missing Loic is kind of a. You know, that's, you know, we can, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, losing Loic is the end, which is not, you know, I think we definitely can win without him because we have the depth to win. But, you know, Loic being there, I think the biggest difference is, like, there's more comfort in terms of, like, we just need one out of the other three people at that need to run well, right? Like, like, our top four would have been pretty disgusting. Um, yeah, that, that's the then, point. Is like, like those top four, like a the bad fifth race. Man, the fifth man just needs to be good enough to, you know, pull the team score together. And and like, even if one of those top four would have had a bad day, they probably still would have been top five. And then all you need is one of those other three to have a good day, and then maybe they're the fourth guy, and they pick up the slack a little bit. Yeah. But like, yeah, it it would have made things a lot easier. Um, of course, having a guy who's got two score records his freshman year and two top and three top four finishes in his first two national meets, um, of course that helps. That's <laughs> better than not having that. True. Um, Plus at sea level. Yeah, and just a guy who's really good in like races, championship races, and nationals yeah. races. Yeah. Um, and thri- like thrives in those scenarios. Um, but. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, the hope now is that, you know, especially, like, 
I mean, we have us, like, the four you kind of mentioned earlier, like you, myself, Jake, and Dunk. But I think, from my perspective, it's, like, I need to be consistent, you know, for this team to win. So, that's kind of been a thing that, like, you know, um, Conference and Chili Pepper, I would say, like, weren't my best races, but... I think they they weren't bad. You know, I didn't, like, blow up super hard. And I think that's something that I'm... Don't start scaring me about myself. Yeah. No. I think, it's, I think it's, like, I just have to... I my, my progression has been a lot different than, like, yours and Jake's. You know, I think, like, Dunk, Duncan and I's progression has been about the same. And then your and Jake's progression has been different. Which, where it was, like... Your and Jake's progression was at the beginning. It's like, oh, they're not in like super good shape yet, and then you be kind of building up over these weeks and looking better and running better and racing better. I know that workout yesterday. I don't know. I didn't feel too good about myself after that. But uh, I mean, that was that was really hard. <laughs> I don't know. I also I had a little bit of help too. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I definitely built up a lot of. I don't know. I need to work up my confidence a little bit and just not getting so like so much on one thing yeah but, I think I, that's, know, I, I think I, that's I think that's what regionals is for you know I think like mm-hmm. I was talking to Chris about it and like yeah I think this is something that we'll, we're gonna get into our brains a little bit but it's like I you know we don't want to overdo it at regionals of course because the prize is nationals but you know I think at the same time, I think having a good race at regionals also just kind of helps you mentally with, like, confidence. Like, if you have a good race at regionals and you can kind of carry that confidence into a national meet. I mean, you kind of look at historically with our team, too. Like, you know, the guys that have been... I mean, theoretically, we've had guys that have run really well at regionals who didn't run so well at nationals. But I think it's, like... Being able to run well and have the confidence to run well in the regional meets and like not have to give a hundred percent. I think it's it's kinda of, it's a weird mark to hit, but um I think our team can kind of um we have a little bit of wiggle room. Um granted we don't want to get too soft because that's when somebody can come up and surprise us a little bit. Um so we still have to be ready to go. But I think, um, you know, it's having that uh, little bit of peace of mind in that last, you know, K, maybe 800 to K. Like, if we're in a good position, you know, we don't need to try to go all out to catch, like, one person ahead of us. You know, if we feel like we have the win as a team. So, um, I don't know. My goal is to, I'm going to go out a little easier than I have all season, because all season has been me going out hard every first K. I don't think I've had a single, like, first K or mile this season that wasn't, like, 450 or under. <laughs> at least, like, for the Ks, like, like my first K at Wash Park was, like, a 257. My first K at Chili Pepper must have been, like, a another, like, 255 or lower than that. Probably lower than that, like, 250. And then the first K at conference was a 253. And all those are not really sustainable for the whole race. <laughs> um, at least for me. Maybe Dylan Powell could do that. 
Um, but I think going out a little more conservative for me and just kind of sticking in the back of like the CCU guys and the Adams guys pack and then just making sure I can beat them will be kind of the goal. Um, but yeah, just kind of letting them dictate it this time instead of me. So I think that'll be something that I try to do this, this go around. Yeah. I'm, I think beating those guys is going to do a lot of confidence, give me a lot of confidence just because of how far back I was at that Metro meet mm-hmm. and just like, be like, Oh, you know, like I just got to keep that in mind. Like, am I ever like, Oh, I'm in a better spot than I was two months ago, which should be obvious, but yeah, I don't know. I like, uh, like chili pepper went so well. Um, and I felt like I had so much left in the tank. I don't want to, I'm a little worried that I'm going to overestimate how well this could go. Um, but that'll just be part of the mental preparation. So it is a 10 K too. So it's a little longer, um, which does make a difference. People are like, Oh, it's only two K more. And it's like, well, the the last two K is (laughs) a lot, a lot harder, um, than people think it is. I think. I don't know. It can really, it's it's really deceiving, I think, you know, in a 10K, especially going from 8K to 10K. So you think it's not that much, but then you get through the first 8K, and then you're like, oh, I have two more K. And we've seen, historically, even people at D1 meets blow up super hard in that last 2K. Like, it can happen. It can happen to anybody. Like, it's, it's, it's a full 10K race for a reason. <laughs> so I think that's, it's a strength for our team, I think, in general. Um, even guys, I think even like you and Jake, where maybe you think, maybe people would think that, you know, and maybe it doesn't play to your strength as much, but I honestly see it as more like a neutral. Um, I think you and I, I honestly think like both of you are, you're strong enough. Um, and you guys have the speed to, you know, like to kick and whatnot. So I think that's, honestly, that's the one thing I'm I've worried about this season is, uh, not having the speed. Like, I feel like I put so much work into getting the strength. And hopefully, I guess at this point, just banking on, like, the speed's going to be there. Like, I, I just have it. Um, but maybe that's, like, we're done with kind of the hard, like, intense workouts for the season. Maybe that's what the last few weeks are, is just, uh, you know, winding up, getting the legs moving quick, um, which I could probably use just to, like, wake them up. Um, yeah, I definitely fell in that tempo yesterday, like, I was having to go really fast just to keep up with Kyle, which I mean is normal, but just that whole group. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Super shoes will save us. So that's how it always is. Um, anyway, so are you, do we are, want to transition to something else now? Are you going to start talking about baseball? And I'll just nod at all your yeah. points while I yes, check the I, game cast for the next game. I do. I do want to talk Ooh, about Monte. this. I do want to talk about this for a little bit because I think I think the Braves winning the NL pennant and being in the World Series is probably the biggest surprise of 2021 in Major League Baseball. Weren't they like, you know, it's at the trade deadline where people saying like, why are they buyers and they be sellers? Yeah, that was a thing. Like everybody was super shocked that they just like Atlanta had one of the best deadlines ever in MLB history. I mean, they just they made a lot of trades. They got a lot of players. Um, mainly, you know, they got Jock Peterson from the Cubs. They got Rosario from, I think, the Royals. He was on the Royals for some reason. 
know, he he was a twin. He was very good on the twins. Um, and then they went and got um, they got Adam Duvall as well. Um, they just made a lot of deals, and I was just kind of looking at some team stats. Um, not this one I have on my screen, but a different one. Um, of just where they rank in baseball, just in terms of like hitting and pitching, and they're top five in both categories, which is pretty crazy because like Atlanta has not. The, the last few years, like, Atlanta's been really good, and they've made the postseason, but they haven't been able to win the pennant. And most of that has been based off because of... Because they're from Atlanta, and they're an Atlanta sports team? Maybe. Maybe it's I remember Bo- Bomani Jones say like, because he used to be an Atlanta fan, like, he's from Atlanta. People would be like, why don't you root for the the uh, Braves, or why aren't you rooting for the Braves? They're really good, and he's like, I'm not taking that poison anymore. <laughs> it's kind of fair. But I think the biggest point is, like, every single time the Braves hit, like, a super team, like the Dodgers or, you know, like a like a big team like that, whenever they hit kind of a super team, they just, they fell apart. Like, they just, they, they couldn't win the series. They just kind of got dominated. Blew a 3-1 lead last year. Um, yeah. So I think, like, this is a team where we were like, oh, you know, they're really good, but you know, like, World Series, like, they're just not quite there yet. And this year, for people who don't know, the Braves lost Ronald Acuna before the All-Star break. He went out. Like, like probably one of their best players. Um, you could arguably say that he's their best player, like, all-around five-tool player. Um, he's just insanely athletic. Super speed, defense, hitting, hits for power, hits for average. He's got the five tools. And when you think about that Braves team and Atlanta team, you're like, oh, they need this guy to, like, you know, down the stretch and in the postseason, and he's not going to be there. So that's why everybody was freaking out at the deadline. They're like, why is Atlanta buying? They're like a 500 baseball team. And they came into the National League playoffs as the worst team in the National League to make the playoffs. Like They had the worst record out of all of the teams that made it. So I think that's another point of emphasis too is like how much do you, you know, put weight on the regular season? You know, I think that's like baseball is one of those one of those sports like somebody could just catch fire in the last like month of the season and just go on a, a run and, you know, you know, make it to the pennant or World Series, stuff like that. Um, but anyway, I was looking at some sabermetric stats. Um, mostly just some saber metrics on their hitting, which is the main, main thing I want to talk about because their lineup is like sneaky, really good. Um, if you kind of like look at their lineup top to bottom, they, they have a, honestly, like, I, I honestly think they have a more complete lineup than like the Dodgers or like the Yankees. Uh, I'll kind of explain why in a minute, but you know, they, um, in terms of like Barrels per like per plate appearances. Um, what is that? What's a barrel? So like when they hit like the barrel of the bat. So this is like good contact. Like when they make really good contact with the baseball when they hit. So that'll um, include like foul balls too. Um, I know. Not really, because usually when you foul mm-hmm. it off, you don't hit the barrel. Um, okay. So like a when you hit the barrel of the bat means like 
you hit it hard. Like usually, like that you hit the baseball on the nose. Um, usually, barrels lead to doubles, higher velocity, more home runs, stuff like that. So just kind of looking at that specific stat and within the top um, 41 players in Major League Baseball. So looking at the top 41 Major League players in baseball from this stat, the Atlanta Braves have five people in their lineup in the top 41. The next best team has three. And there's a couple of teams tied for that, which is the Yankees. Um, and I believe the Red Sox are also tied. Um, there might be another team in there. Um, like not even the Blue, I don't even think the Blue Jays have three, which is kind of crazy because their, their lineup is insane. Um, like the Rays, the Rays have two. Um, Grant, like mostly like a lot of, like a lot of playoff, usually a playoff team will have multiple people in this category. Um, but the Braves have five, which is the most. And I think that like just looking at just this one stat, I mean, it's just it's just one stat. But I think it, it kind of encapsulates their entire lineup. Is they don't have a guy that's like Mookie Betts in their lineup. I guess you know where it's like he's paid so much money, and like you're they're expecting him to be you know an MVP. And granted, they have like Freddie Freeman, who I think is pretty much an MVP, but. Um, they just have a lot of solid guys. Like, top to bottom in that lineup is scary. Like, they... Like, Albies is good. Jock Peterson is good. You know, Rosario's good. You know, Duvall has big power. You know, even their catcher, like, you know, D'Arno is playing a lot better. He's He hit a home run in the world. He hit a home run last night. <laughs> um, his first, actually, home run since he's been traded at home, um, which is kind of crazy. But, like, this team has just been good. And I think the reason why they're in the World Series is, like, their lineup is better top to bottom, I think, even without Ronald Acuna Jr. in it. They, they don't even have, like, one of their star players. Um, but I think it's their pitching has been really good in the, their bullpen. You know, they've had – their ERA is in the top five in baseball. And that's something that they've struggled with you know, the last few years and when they've always made the postseason, it's like they always have been a good hitting team. They always they, Their lineup has always been good. Um, but it's been like the pitching hasn't been fully there. And so when they run into the Dodgers in the postseason, you know, they lose because they the Dodgers have a stacked starting rotation and the Braves pitching just can't keep up, you know, for a whole series. Like they just... They get tired and worn out. So this go-around, they had the pitching to beat the Dodgers, and I think the Dodgers also kind of faltered a little bit here in the postseason. Of, they had a ton of injuries. Too. Yeah, they, they lost Mac, Max Muncy. They lost Kershaw. You know, they lost a lot of – they lost – I think it was kind of a perfect storm for the Atlanta Braves to make the World Series this year. It was just – they ran into, like, a not 100% Dodger team. You know, missing one of their star players as well, Max Muncy on the bench, and and the Dodgers took out the Giants, who were mm-hmm. best like hottest team all year. Exactly, and the Dodgers like yeah, exactly like beat the Giants, which honestly like if the Giants win that game, 
I don't know if the Braves beat the Giants. I think the Braves just match up better with LA anyway. Um, just in terms of like just their rosters, but it's I don't know. It's, it's just it's just a crazy thing to happen. You know, it's like going into the season, everybody was like, "Oh, the Dodgers and the Padres are going to be the best two teams." The Padres didn't even make the postseason because they suck. But um, you know, the Dodgers had like what, like 108 wins, you know, and the Braves like just snuck in with like. 89 out of like I got the double check but um I'm pretty sure it was like I don't I don't even think the Braves made 90 wins. Oh my. Um Let's see here. Yeah, 88. The Braves had 88 wins. Um That's just crazy to me. It's like the next worst team was the Cardinals and they had 90. And I don't know. I mean, the Braves were a little hotter at the end of the year, but everybody was like, oh, this this is crazy that Atlanta is making all these moves at the deadline to get all these players, and look how it turned out during the World Series. And I think not only is that good, you know, for the Braves, and I think I think it's I think it's just good for baseball. I think cuz if you look at a lot of teams in Major League Baseball at the deadline, Honestly, they're way like the owners are so conservative. Like they don't want to give away any of their prospects to get better. Like baseball is just kind of it's just kind of like that. Like I mean, you look at the team like the Colorado Rockies. Um, they never want to trade away their prospects um, to get better players. Um, the Cardinals are also kind of similar in that fact where they don't really go and get deadline players at all either. Um, to help out their team just because they they like the guys they have and they don't feel like trading away like their prospects and their system and a lot of baseball teams just kind of are like yeah if you uh, yeah like we're gonna give you we'll give you like this third tier prospect for like one of your best players and we're not moving and all the teams that want to sell are because like they're really good players want to leave Nolan Arenado um, or other players, you know, these teams have no other choice but to trade them because like they're not going to get any value out of them. Right. I mean, that's like, this, the thing with the Nolan Arenado thing that happened in the off season was Nolan Arenado was going to leave. He was going to leave his contract. The Rockies would have gotten a comp, in, you know, a comp pick for him leaving. Um, but you know, they, and I guess they're out of, you know, they don't have to pay him, but still, like, at that point, they're like, oh, we need to get something for him, right? So they traded Nolan for pretty much garbage, besides Austin Gomber, maybe was, like, the only other good guy in that trade. And, uh, like, the, the unfortunate part about it, about that is, like, that's how the MLB is. Like, it's just, like, players on bad teams, like, good players on bad teams, like, like, teams don't really get anything good for them in return. And I think what the deadline showed with the Braves, I think, might help baseball trend in the right direction where it is more active at the deadline. Like, there's more teams willing to give up their prospects to be better, and there's more, like, strategy in that, you know, sphere, just kind of looking at that and how their rosters, you know, fit. 
Um, I think that would be good for baseball. You know, I, I think like a lot of the time, like it's just kind of each team is just super scared. Like they don't want to, either they don't want to trade away their prospects, or it's like another team that wants to trade away somebody is like, you know, like we need to trade this person, and all the other teams know that you need to trade that person, so they just they. You know, it, it, it makes sense, right? If you just think about, like, the theory of it, it's like, oh, you need to trade your star player? Oh, well, uh, we're, we'll give you, like, this much for him, which is, like, nothing. So, I think showing what the Braves, like, what the Braves are doing now, which I hope they win the World Series because I hate the Astros. Yeah. We all hate the Astros. All my homies hate the Astros. But Braves are kind of sus. They 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 move they they purposely moved their team out of Atlanta because it was too black and moved it into the suburbs to the to the white parts of Atlanta. Yeah, kind of abandon abandon their fan base. That's true. We're not gonna get into that part of it, but yes, that is. Anyway, I just the Astros cheated. Uh, we if you're not following baseball, they. They won the 2017 World Series, and they were proven to be bad cheated through that postseason. Um, and so I just don't like the Astros because they're always there. They're always in the postseason. They're always going to the World Series. I don't like them. Anyway, I just think that I would like to see the Braves win. Because they've been a team knocking on the door for so long, and now they're finally there, and they kind of got a little bit of luck to get there. But they're a really good team. So, I don't know. I just think uh, it's just interesting how the National League turned out this season. Because I think everybody thought, oh, it's going to be the Dodgers versus the Padres. Whoever wins there will win the pennant. And I think on the American League side... Nobody really looked at the Astros that much either. Everybody was pretty hype on the Yankees and the White Sox. Um, but I think the Astros making it, people are like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, but anyway, that's my baseball spiel. So, any other comments to add with Julian? On baseball, not a ton. I know I've uh, there's a channel I called Foolish Baseball did a whole video after the Arenado trade. About why Rockies are kind of failing their fans and their team. Uh, is there any chance that that, that that ownership group will sell? Like no. Okay. Well, I think like depressing. It is depressing. Um, Dick Monfort, I think, is just kind of a greedy owner. He doesn't. I don't think he cares about winning. Um, I think that's odd. Like, the- like it's pretty obvious that he hasn't cared about winning. I haven't, I haven't uh, refreshed myself from the Arenado trade in a while because it happened. We're in a pandemic. A year feels like a decade. Um, but the impression I got was that they structured it so it looked like they offered him all this money. They It looked like, on the surface, that they offered this huge contract, but they put that player option in so they could have an out and be like, see, he just didn't want to be here. And they could find a way to not pay him without the fans being pissed at them. Yeah, I don't know. I I do think that a little bit of it was, like, I do think the GM 
Jeff Breidich did push Dick Monfort into trying to make the team better. Um, as a GM, he was just a terrible GM. Like, that's just... On the talent side, he just... He's not a good GM. They, they picked up um, players to surround him. Like, they... The, he, he picked... Like, he... He's a bad. He's a bad GM in terms of his job. He he tried to win. Like I will give him that. He he went out. He tried to get bullpen pieces. He got Ian Desmond. You know he was trying to tell Nolan Arenado. And I think like, you know, I think that's the other part of it too. Is you know the Rockies are the way that the owners make money is that the Rockies are kind of like a family team. Like they, you know. Families go take their kids to the ballpark, and they love their favorite players. And so, like, historically, the Rockies have always just kind of, like, kept their really, really good player or players around for a while because they're fan favorites. So it's like, you know, look at Todd Helton. Todd Helton spent his whole career in Coopersfield, like, you know, and I think the Rockies kind of bank off of sales from that is, you know, they're like, hey, Nolan Arenado is like this great player. And so they offered him a lot of money to stay because he's a fan favorite. You know, it's not because he's a, you know, it's not, it's not because he's a great player and they want to win. They gave him money because he's a fan favorite and he makes money for them. That's the idea. That's what what I'm saying is that, um, it was about the money. It wasn't about how good he was. That like yeah. their they their options were they their primary directive was we don't want to spend all this money, and no matter how good Arenado was, they didn't want to spend that money. So they said, okay, if we just trade him, people are going to be pissed, um, and he's got this new contract coming up. If we sign him to a big contract, we can't do that because then we're we'll be gonna, we're going to pay him a shit ton well, they, for years they, and years. They, they did do that though. But the if you do, if you washed. don't offer him a huge contract, everybody's going to be pissed at you. Like yeah. all the fans are going to be pissed at you. So what they did to get around that is they just snuck. They added all these years onto it, but they just snuck in towards the beginning of it this player option where they had an out where they'd be like, he he wanted to leave. He like there's nothing we could do about it. And I'm saying like they set this up from the start where they had no intention of keeping around this long. They just didn't want to pay him and wanted wanted an out where the fans would not um, would not riot in the streets at them. And I think like I don't know. It's 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 not how I, I like know. my teams to run. I do have a question on that um, on that front. Uh, more agree if what I like what I'm proposing like why like what they like, what they were trying to do with that contract was just like cower out of making a decision and. Of paying him money or just making a stance. Um, what was a what's a worse thing than that a team's done to their fan base in terms of signing a player? That or uh, Red Sox refusing to sign resign Mookie Betts. I'd say it's still. I think like. I, like Betts, I, I do think I think the Mookie Betts thing is worse, and the like reason the, why I'm the reason why I'm going to say that is because. Mookie Betts was an MVP. He was an MVP, and they won a World Series with him. Yeah, exactly. And they kind of refused to pay him, even though he deserved it. You know, I, and honestly, he deserves that pay that pay grade. Honestly, more than Nolan Arenado deserved his. But grant, it's like a small margin. Um, but I I do think 
than Mookie Betts thing was also a bigger shock to, I think, the baseball world in general was, you know, they thought for sure, like, oh, they're going to sign Mookie Betts. Like, why wouldn't they? You know, like, and then they didn't, and then that was, like, kind of like, oh, okay, like, um, that's an interesting move. Um, I do want to say with the Nolan Arenado deal, like, I think the reason why there was that two-year option when there was, like, if Nolan wanted an out, he could leave. And I think the reason, like, Nolan Arenado could have just said, like, oh, I just give me my money for eight years, um, which, like, I don't think the Rockies wanted to do, granted, but I also don't think Nolan wanted to do that either. So I think it was, I think there was a mutual agreement to this, like, plan where two years into his contract, or after two years, if he doesn't, like, the team and like what they're building around him, he can just leave um, and go find something somewhere else. Um, and, and it was it was a player option too, so he could have chosen to stay and get all that money, right? So I think I I do agree with you that the Rockies also probably wanted that option in there. They you know they I were think, the one they the, they, they were the ones Arenado uh, from what the stories I've heard is Arenado didn't. Like is not the one who asked for that option. The Rockies are the one that pushed for the player option. They're okay. the ones that introduced that into the negotiations, which leads me to believe like they never, they, like they never had any intention of. Like maybe they're like maybe if like things go really well, then maybe we keep like he'll stay around and we'll keep going. But I really think they were just looking for a reason yeah. to, um, looking looking for just like. To have their cake and eat it too, to to uh, not. Lose. I think it's to save their ass. I think a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. It's just to save their ass. They didn't want. They don't want guys like you just being like either saying why did you? They don't. Why did you not offer him anything? He's the best player we've had in years. Why? Why did you not want him back? Like yeah. what is he? Then then you're like, what's even the point of this team? Why am I going to watch these games? And then like like then ticket sales go down and. They don't want that. Yeah, I, that's the thing with the Rockies is I don't think their ticket sales will go down because they're bad. You know, I like the, the shirt, I've said, sales, I've said shirt this, sales will go down. That's true. I think the biggest thing with the Rockies, and I've, I this is something I've been saying for a long time, and I said it earlier, is they are a family team. Like they, like the people who watch them play are families who take their kids to the ballpark and watch a game. Like. There's not... So it doesn't it's, matter it's not, how good they are? I, I think, like, I think they're, like, a little... It's, like, a little bit. Like, if they're, like, really good, of course you're going to get more attendance. I think that's just, like, in general, that's how it is. But I think the, the... Like, the point where it drops is not as much. Because, like, it's just... I think... Versus, like, other sports towns. Like, if you think of, like... I don't know. Like, the Tampa Bay Rays, for one. If the Tampa Bay Rays are shit, like... Nobody's gonna show up to. Well, the game. I mean, um, nobody really shows up to the games anyway. But like, you know, like if they're bad, like nobody show up. If they make the like the postseason, like the whole stadium's gonna be full. It, it you seems know what like, I mean? the, like there's more of a drastic, like difference in attendance. It seems like the Rockies were just saving face because if you didn't sign resign Arenado, if you were just like just took a stance as like what the Red Sox did. With Mookie Betts, like the Red Sox also have the advantage of being the Red Sox. Yeah. It, 
in the biggest sports, the most fanatic sports town in the country. Yeah. And having all, like, they're, like, they're still going to get people to come out. Like, their fans are going to care about them for life. Um, even if they mess up one signing. But for the Rockies, it's like, they they haven't really had a ton in the last ten years. So if you don't sign Arenado just to pinch pennies, pe- your fans are going to start saying, if we're not trying, like, if we're not going to re-sign him, what is even the point of this team? This team, it, if you don't re-sign him, it's obvious their goal is not to win. So what even is the point of the team being there? Yeah. And I think offering him that contract with that out, on, that out honestly being there more for themselves than for, um, than for Nolan, I I think it was just them being like, we can still pretend yeah. that we're a professional team who is trying to win games. I mean, granted, I don't like the Rockies front office. I never have. I think they're terrible. But I I I don't fully buy like the idea that Nolan never wanted that player option. Like it only helps him. Like Oh, not, I'm sure I'm sure You know when, what I mean? Like when the team like usually if you have to negotiate to get that in there, like it's like you gotta give this some This is why enough I said it's there. like a mutual thing. Like, well, yeah, like, of course, if no, there's no way Nolan was like, I don't want a player option. That's dumb. You know, it's like, it literally doesn't hurt him. This from, if the stories that I've heard that it was the team that, uh, that, that introduced that into the negotiations, like, of course he's going to be like, you guys are willing to do that for me? Sure. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course I want more power with this contract. Like, of course he's going to take that. Of course, he's going to be stoked that the team is just giving him this uh, this increased power over uh, his situation. Um, but usually, teams that are in the that are trying to win will fight that because they want to keep that guy around for a long time. Yeah. Um, and like the only the only reason you throw that in is because you want like he might not like you need to sweeten the pot a little bit. And I don't think they needed to to get him to stay around. I think he would have just. Yeah, if, I think, it was, if this was a winning team that was trying to win, he would have just stuck around and not needed that player option in there. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I guess I kind of agree there, but I don't know. It's just Nolan. Nolan is also he's expressed multiple times, and he's always been like this. He is a guy who wants to win. Like he doesn't really care where he is. He wants to win. He wants to make it to the playoffs. He wants to. You know, make it to the World Series. He's that type of guy. Like, he, he wants to win. And I think that, I mean, the Rockies, I, I do think it. you're right in terms of, like, it, it. that player option is kind of like a disguise where I think they were banking on the fact that if they weren't winning that Nolan would opt out. Because, like, that's what, they, that's what their thought process was. They're like, we know Nolan is this type of player... We know that he wants to win. If we're not in a winning window, if we don't have the team to do it, he'll leave and we won't have to pay him that much money. I do agree that that's probably what their thought process was. Um, but I don't think like 100% of it... I, I do think it's more of like a savior ass at the, end of the, at the end of the day type of thing. It's like, it's like okay, like we don't want to be on the hook for this guy for eight years... We know that he's a player that wants to win. Let's put the player option in there because we think that he's going to take it. 
Um, so I, I mean, I do agree with that, and I think that I, I do want to though emphasize that it, like Nolan definitely also probably wanted that in the deal. Like it doesn't hurt him. Like I think he's the type of player that wants to win. So like if the team's not winning, he wants to leave. You know, I think it's like a mutual thing where it's like Nolan wants to leave. The team also doesn't want to pay him. So they both left. Like, I think it's like a mutual, we're parting ways. You know, it's like, I I don't think it was like Nolan's like, I want to stay. And the Rockies are like, but we don't want to pay you that much money because we're bad. Or like, or the other way where Nolan's like, I want to leave. And then the Rockies are like, no, like we want you to stay for like, you know, all these years. You know, it was like, because like if that, if any, if it was any, either or of those cases, the whole ordeal would have went differently. But it didn't. I do think it's a lot when you when you are a team that pinches pennies this much it is kind it is very you're you're kind of putting yourself in a bad position to be a good and competitive team. Yeah. No, I so, that. Like if your thought process is, well, if the team is good then yeah, no one wanna stay, but if the team is bad then it'll be mutual. Well, it's kind of set up from the beginning. Like if your only star player is Nolan Arenado and, like, you can't build a winning... Like, you're... Like, organizationally, you are incapable of building a winning team around him, then adding that player option is just saying, we know we know the contract says 10 years or whatever, but it's really going to be just, like, 4 or 5 because, that, because we actually know... Actually, only 2 in this case. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But what I'm saying... You, you get what I'm saying, that because this organization is... Is not does not have a philosophy that puts winning first. That by putting that player option there, that's going to be taken if the team isn't winning. Like, it's just it's like oh yeah, of course. it's inevitable. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's, it's, it's inevitable. It's not it's not like you're saying well maybe maybe not. I I, I think they knew exactly what they're doing. Yeah, I mean like the Rockies have had a long history of their star players being kind of like sick of the franchise like. Troy Tulowitzki left on bad terms with the Rockies and Jeff Breidich, um, who was the GM at the time who traded him. Um, which, by the way, that that trade is one of the worst in MLB history. It's probably the bottom five. Um, in terms of the Rockies didn't get anybody back that did anything. And the uh, Blue Jays got Troy Tulowitzki for a season, pretty much. And that was it. Back when he was, oh, I mean, back when teams. he was, yeah. Both both teams didn't benefit at all, really. Um, and apparently, there was zero communication between Troy Tulowitzki and the front office. Like Troy, like Tulo didn't even know he was being traded. Like, and they just sent him. They're like, oh yeah, you're you're going to the Blue Jays. And I, from stories I've heard, Troy Tulowitzki was like, what? This is new news to me. So it's like if you can't even communicate to your best player that you're thinking about trading him, like. Ay, Kalamba. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Um, and then, like, the whole Matt Holiday thing, that too, that happened. I think that was a little bit more of pinching pennies. It was pretty much the same ordeal, like, with, like, the Red Sox and, um, and Mookie Betts. Like, the Rockies made the World Series in 2007 with Matt Holiday. And then the next year, like, Matt Holiday wants money because he's really good. And then now he's gone because the Rockies didn't want to pay him. 
So the Rockies went from, I think, like, the progression of their team was they got lucky in 2007. Like, their team got really hot at the end of the year. They swept their way to the World Series, had to wait for 10 days to play, got really cold, and then lost. That's what happened. And then, ever since then, the Rock- the Rockies' f- philosophy, like, they've never been to the World Series before. Uh, but that front office was like, okay, what do we do now? And they're like, Matt Holiday's like, I want all this money. And they're like, oh, we can't do that. And so the mo- the owner's like, nope, Matt Holiday's gone. Um, 2008 rolls around. They're, they don't make the playoffs. They make it back in 2009 with Cargo, which they got for... Um, which sent where Matt Holiday went to the Athletics, um, which is what happened there, or and he went to the Cardinals eventually. But they got cargo from the A's, um, and he ended up being really good. But uh, the progression of this team has been okay. We don't want to pay our star players. We're just gonna use the guys we got. We're not gonna get anybody in free agency, and then like. Finally, they got to a new window to win in 2017, and Jeff is just like, okay, let me make a big team. <laughs> he went out and got a bunch of bullpen guys. He's like, I'm getting Wade Davis, you know, I'm getting uh, Jake McGee from Tampa Bay, and I'm getting Brian Shaw from Cleveland, and like, all of those pitchers have been really good the year before. And he's like, I'm signing a big bullpen, we're gonna win, um... Then he went out and got Ian Desmond, like, which I thought was, honestly, at the time he did that, I thought that was stupid. And I was right, but it was a dumb decision. There were way better candidates at first base that they could have gotten in free agency, and they decided not to go that route. And honestly, they probably could have gotten for cheaper, too. But anyway, that's another time. Jeff Breidich went all in on trying to do free agency, and they, like, yeah, I, I see the time. We'll get the basketball. But, th- th- and then it turned out so bad. Like, they, um, pretty much the only player that did anything was Wade Davis, and it was, like, for a season. Like, he was really good for, like, that 2017 season, to be honest with you. And then 2018 was, like, also still good, but, like, kind of, like, up and down. Um, and, you know, they won that playoff game against the Cubs, which was huge, and then they just got murdered in the NLDS by the Brewers, like, just crushed, you know, and then, like, you know, the next year, they're thinking to themselves, like, okay, like, what was wrong with our team? Like, oh, we can't hit in the postseason. Okay, what do we do? Let's go get a bat. Like, all right, who do we get? Okay, well, well, um, what position do we need better hitting production out of? And they looked at their lineup, and they're like, yeah, we don't really want DJ LeMahieu anymore. He's not he's not really producing on the offensive end as much as we'd like. Let's go get Daniel Murphy. The next season, DJ LeMahieu is, I think he was top three in the AL MVP voting. He won the batting title for the Yankees that next season. Um... And Daniel Murphy was average, fine. Not much better than DJ, like, was that past season. 
they pretty much didn't upgrade. They pretty much didn't really upgrade at all on the offensive end, and they downgraded on the defensive end because DJ LeMahieu was a gold glove at second base at the time. And so they they traded defense for worse defense and like maybe like a marginal step better offensively. Mm-hmm. And they were terrible. Didn't make the postseason. Um, and I think that's just kind of just looking at all of these decisions the Rockies have made over the last, honestly, just 15 years. Like, none of them have worked out. They've all been terrible. Like, I just think the front office doesn't know how to, like, they don't know how to build a winning team. Like, they just straight up, they don't know how to work free agency. They don't know how to do trades. They, like, I don't know what is going on in their analytics department or, like, their, honestly, their, their scouting. Like, but something's wrong. Like, they just, they can't get anything right. There we go. It took us, sorry, it took us an hour and five minutes to realize when we use the DSLR to not mirror the video. Oh. So now everything's the right way. Interesting. Hello. (laughs) I'm on this side now and I'm on that side. Sorry to interrupt your uh, 10-year just, I'm not going to say orgasm because that would would imply pleasure, but just, uh, just, uh, I could go on for hours. Gushing out of 10 years or 15 years of Rocky's frustration. Oh, God. I, dude, it's... Uh, I could do a better job with that team, I swear. I'm glad I became, Hire me. I'm glad I became a Nuggets fan in 2017 right when they got good. <laughs> right when they got right good. Right in the middle of the winning streak where they started uh, to be good. Oh, man. Before that, it was not as oh, fun to be a Nuggets fan. Trust me, because I, I followed the Nuggets a little bit before that, and the whole Carmelo Anthony crap was terrible. Terrible. Like when that I was, was not when I was like in middle school. I just thought they were. I was just like, I and dumb. I was like, oh, just they, it sounds so boring. Then for Nuggets, sounds so boring. And, I, and like I kind of lost all my interest in the. Oh, in, what? Sorry. Um, continue. But I have an update about Game Four in the World Series. Are they, is it playing right now? Yeah, yes. I'll put it on here in a second. But like I kind of lost. Uh, any like good feelings about basketball after middle school because middle school basketball sucks so much. Um, but then when I got, but then I got, but then that's that's what I needed. I needed to take a break so I could find my one true love, the Denver Nuggets, and a big. You mean Ser- just Nikola Nikola? Yeah, Yovich. and a big Serbian boy. Big Serb boy. Big Serbian Luke, boy. Luke loves his Serbian men. Everybody, everybody was kind of having a, an existential crisis during that Jazz game the other day because they were like, not not just because Jokic like hurt his knee, but because everyone was like, is my is my mental health that so much tied to the knee of just a big Serbian man? Yep. And I mean, I wasn't worried. I was like, he's doing, he's out there doing warm-ups at halftime, like, it, he'll just be out for the rest of the game. He'll be back the next game. Oh, look, it's Jack Peterson. Yeah, oh, God, no. You're gonna get distracted. Like, I, like, I was oh, distracted. Oh, I got hit. Yeah. Um, no, uh, the biggest update I wanted to say was, I remember I was we're watching, I've been kind of paying attention to the game, game four of the World Series. The Atlanta's up 2-1 in the series right now, and they're at home. Mm-hmm. Um, the Braves were down 2 nothing going into this inning. 
and now it's three to two. Atlanta's up. So, change of events. I don't know what happened because I wasn't watching, but I can say that I am very happy right now. I don't like this graphics package. I like the old graphic. This honestly, this graphics package feels more dated than the old graphics. Yeah, that's fair. Is it TikTok ad on the mound? What what hell are we living in? I I, mean, I not, nothing against TikTok. in the worst hell. I mean, just the dumbest, just the dumbest reality. TikTok is dumb. I mean, man, are we, we're twenty. You're not even twenty three yet, and no. we were already boomers. Jesus Christ. Boomers. Um, yeah, I guess should I talk about the Nugs, my Nug, yeah. my beautiful yeah, guess, Nug boys, the we're... roller coaster of a week we've had. Yeah, I guess we're going to basketball a little because bit because we went to the game. It's a long podcast, but hey, you know that's what it is. Who, we we don't have the free trial. Like we're paying already anymore, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm, I'm already paying for this. Lit. Um, yeah, we went to the game on Monday. Yeah. I went with you and Vince, um, and that was well. Well, it was fun enough, because fun. just going out and hanging out with people is fun, but not fun for being Nuggets fans. That was maybe the ugliest game I've seen them play. And we wa- we went to that um, was pretty bad. that Mavericks game a few years ago where Luka had like 12 points and Jokic had like 10 points. And I think even that was still more fun than that just horrible. That the, the at, least, at least when the Nuggets got swept by the Suns, at least we got to see Jokic, like, almost murder Devin Booker and campaign. At least we had that. Like, it was still depressing. It was very depressing. But at least we had that. At least we weren't... Uh, thank God we got to the game late and didn't see Laurie Markin and murder Jokic. Have you seen that dunk yet? No. Oh, my God. Everybody's, like, dunk of the year. But Jokic just kind of, like, stood like this. Like, maybe I'll get a charge. I'm not going to block this. I can't jump. And Markin and just smashed it on his head um so thank god we weren't there for that that would have ruined my week um but then the next game uh they played the jazz and Jokic played first 15 minutes of game time for Jokic he has 24 points 6 rebounds 6 assists and he's going off like it that like I saw someone be like it could have been the best game one of the greatest games ever I'm like yeah if he kept that pace up he that would have been one of the best games ever uh, but then he he uh, hits knees with a jazz player. Um, he tries to come back out uh, at halftime, um, but Malone shut him down. Uh, Nuggets still like form pretty well. Will Barton ob- has obviously been their second best player this season, at least offensively. Um, which I'm not worried about MPJ. Like he's actually shown a lot of improvements, like defensively and. Uh, playmaking wise and just like all the little areas but the shooting has been a little cold which I'm a I mean, little worried about MBJ I mean I'm like a tad worried but like he's he's so smooth and I like I know how efficient he is I'm I'm happy that the other stuff is we're seeing incremental improvements um and we just got to get through this time where he's not as like he didn't have he had another bad shooting night tonight which is I mean it's worrisome but we won yeah. um I'm just worried about the consistency of MPJ. Yeah. But anyways, That's the biggest thing. Jazz game. Uh, Will Barton went off and kept him in the game, but they ended up losing because the Jazz are really good, really, really good regular season team. Really good regular season team. Um, I think... Don- Shit for- on the Jazz. I mean, the J- like, I mean, they probably are our biggest, like, rivals, I think. But, like, 
Uh, like I like Donovan Mitchell, I respect a lot. Like I do think he's one of the best uh, playoff performers in the league right now. And it's funny how this team that has one of the best uh, one of the best playoff players in the league is so bad in the playoffs, and they collapse so hard when they get in the playoffs, which is probably just down to Rudy Gobert um, getting exploited in seven-game series. But we'll see. We'll see if that changes this year. Anyways, then on to Friday. Friday? Yeah, Friday. Yeah, Friday I went to the game against the Mavericks, um, and a complete opposite of that Cavs game at the beginning of the week, where they just... I The... I guess if you if you don't know a lot about the Nuggets, here is what this whole season is going to be, at least until Jamal comes back. Starters, really good. Nikola Jokic, really, really good. Bench, dog shit. The bench, it, every game has been get up by 10 or 15, Jokic goes to the bench, lead is blown, and now we're down by 5, and Jokic has to come back in. Like... I don't know if we would have blown him out by 30 yesterday if Jokic hadn't played pretty much that whole third quarter. Um, where he only had 11 points in the game, and his shoot like his shooting wasn't really that on, but he still controlled the whole game, best player on the court. Um, I'm really excited about Aaron Gordon, because he, anytime he gets to match up, anytime we're, we're playing a team that has a star wing, like the Mavericks in this case, where it's Luka is just creating everything. He's good. That that those are the games where he's going to show why we traded for him because he's gonna he shut Luka down yesterday. Um, and I I saw a tweet saying that the last time he did play Luka, he also held him to really poor shooting, and the Magic ended up winning that game. Um, so I like I'm looking forward to every every game where we don't have to play against really good guards, and it's just, like, against a really good small forward, creative wing, I feel like... Like, that, like he, he was brought in to guard LeBron, or guard Kawhi in the playoffs. Like, Kawhi, LeBron, um, Luka, those three guys, that's why he's there. Um, probably, probably have to guard Giannis if we ever get to that point. I think the Nuggets are, like, kind of built to beat, like, those super teams a little bit. Well, that that's what they're... That's, that's like, when I think about the Nuggets and, like, Aaron Gordon, like, trying to shutting down LeBron, I think, like, the Nuggets are the type of team that they're kind of built to counter that. They counter the super team. I think, like, that's what the Aaron Gordon trade was, which it was such a good trade at the time, and it was, like, ten days. T- ten days... Where we had that full lineup of Jamal, um, Will, uh, MPJ, Jokic, and Aaron Gordon. Um, like, they were on fire. Like, that starting unit was, like, one of the best five-man uh, five man squads in NBA history. If you look at the statistics, I think it was, Jesus, was it, like, a plus 150 in, like... 200 minutes together or something like it was some it was something just mind-boggling 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 mind mind-boggling lee insane thank you for that um that's what i'm here for but when you made that trade you gave up archie hampton a really good prospect um a really good guard prospect and gary harris probably your best uh defensive guard 
like he definitely like he he saved that series uh the year before against the jazz where they came back from 3-1 when he came in for the last two games and guard donovan mitchell we finally had a guard who could at least slow him down um so you make that trade because you say okay we're gonna sacrifice some guard depth but we're fine because we have a really good six man in monte morris and we have Will Barton and Jamal Murray. And Jamal Murray is, we are making the bet that he is one of the best players in the NBA. Which I think, in the playoffs, he's proven that. Like, he is elite, elite, elite when it matters. Which is what they care about. Yeah, he outscored Donovan Mitchell. They also they also looked at the teams they were going to have to face. And they said, okay, who are the best teams in, in the West right now? And just in the NBA in general. It's the Lakers, whose best player is LeBron James, a creative small forward. It's the Clippers, who have uh, Kawhi Leonard, who's just an insanely good small forward. And they have Luka, who's, I guess you designate as a small forward, and who, like, the whole offense runs through him. So if you assume those are the three teams in the near future that you're going to have to go through, it makes sense. You sacrifice some of that uh, defensive front court skill to get... So a big athletic wing who can hold his own against those three guys. And looking at the advanced metrics, Aaron Gordon before that trade, and I think since, has been really good at holding those guys down below their their really high standard. Um, so for those 10 days, it looked like it, it was a perfect trade. But when Jamal goes down, suddenly your whole rotation is out of whack. Suddenly you're having to start Monte... Which is fine. I think Monte is like a low-level to mid-level starting point guard. But now, you're, now your backup guard is Facundo Campazzo. And when Will Barton goes down with injury, now it's Monte and Facu at the 1-2. and two, And you, it's just like a nightmare guarding teams like the trailblazers who have cj mccall and somehow they won that series somehow they won that series because Jokic is so like thankfully Jokic is that good that he could carry them to that um but in that next series you have two like a more sure guards, C- cj and dame are amazing and dame showed how good he was in that series but that whole like that whole Suns team monty monty williams way better coach and like even though they have the worst owner in the league, that whole team somehow like clicked in the right way. And you have Chris Paul, yeah. one of the best point guards of all time, and Devin Booker, one of the best scoring shooting guards in the league right now. Like they that that's a big ask, especially when you're starting Austin Rivers, who they you got off of waivers. Yeah, I think like that's the other team too. The Nuggets ran into a good defensive team in the second round there. They ran into ba- uh, just bad matchups. Yeah, like it was. I think the Trailblazers are not a good defensive team, and I think they were. They were the reason. I think a little bit of the reason why they won that series was because they could score. Like, and that the the, the, Tampa, the Trailblazers were not great on the defensive end, and it kind of allowed the Nuggets to be able to kind of hang in those games and score enough points to win. Whereas, like the Suns defensively are a little bit better. So the Nuggets can't really keep up with pace, and they can't kind of guard. I mean, like I we watched Game Four, like CP three, like Chris Paul hit like the same jumper in the same spot, like what, like six out of eight. That, that might be my like, hell. That was, when I when I if insane. I die and go to hell, when I die and go to hell, that is gonna be just what hell is for me. It's just sitting in those seats, watching just possession after possession 
of Chris Paul torching Jokic on pick and rolls in the mid range. Yeah, exactly, and like I think that's, I yeah I I think it is what you said though. Like the Nuggets did run run into bad matchups. Like right? who like. But I think it also part of it is the Suns were way better better defensively than the Trailblazers were. Like ideally for the Nuggets, Aaron Gordon is a role player on offense and like their star on defense, like their go to shutdown guy on defense. Um, and against Phoenix, he, there's nobody really to like. He can guard some of those guys, but in terms of like the stars, he's not going to get matched up on them. So, like, on defense, he's really not going to be as much of a plus as you were hoping he would be when you made that trade. And then offensively, you're asked, like, especially with Jamal out, you're asking him to do way more than you should be asking of him. Um, so it was just, like, a worst-case scenario. Getting, getting not only Jamal going down, but getting those matchups. Um, and I think, like, games like the one yesterday against the Mavs where they... Like, they play a team that, like, is so reliant on the type of guy that Aaron Gordon can guard. Um, that's going to help a lot. Uh, and they're going to thrive. But if it's a game like the Cavs, where, like, the star players are either seven feet tall or, like, super athletic and fast guards like yeah, Colin Sexton. Say, it looked like, like, honestly, the Cavaliers just kind of took over that game from the guard position. Yeah, that, I mean, that's how you beat the Nuggets, is you have good guards. Um, I think... And you have post players who can hold Jokic down. I think that was another thing about the Suns is that you have DeAndre Ayton, who while isn't as good as Jokic, is just a monster and just like insanely athletic and can at the very least give him a little bit of trouble and tire him down a little bit and make it harder for him, which I think he he did. Like he didn't, Jokic didn't have as great a series as he did against the Trailblazers. Um, where he was just able, it was like, oh, I just got to foul out Nurkic, and then I'm going to get, like, a point every time I touch the, like, a bucket every time I touch the ball? Great. Um, but I don't know. I'm so looking forward to when Jamal comes back, and I worry my expectations are a little too high, just because I know he can't be at, like, he's not even going to be at, like, 80% rate when he comes back. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know, just, like... I think just having him play, like, once we get him up to, like, 30 minutes a game, that's going to solve so many of the rotation problems. Although I think, uh, so watching the, um, switching over, during, while we were while we were recording this, Nuggets were playing, I watched, like, the last minute and a half mm -hmm. on a totally legal stream. Um, and I've been, <laughs> I've been, uh, looking throughout the game, throughout the game, and kind of just, like, uh, you know, play-by-play, and Bones, actually, Bones Highland, their rookie this year, just got some good minutes. He, had, he got some fourth. He was the only bench player with a positive plus minus, which, like, that's been the story all season, is the Nuggets starters are, like, plus 20, and the bench is, like, negative 15 or negative 20. Um, and it's just insane. And I think Malone is kind of, like, Malone wants to, like, give these guys time, not force it too quickly, but he doesn't really have a choice right now because they have nothing creative on the offensive end. Like, as much as Baku can throw fancy passes and Austin Rivers can kind of uh, ball handle, they don't have anybody that can... They don't have that uh, that scoring... Like, they have, they don't have that offensive... Really, they don't have... They're not good... Now they don't, they don't have Paul Millsap 
they don't they aren't good defensively in that second unit and they're not good offensively. Um Yeah, that is the one problem with losing Paul Middlestaff there. Like you got to be good at one of you got to be at least really good at one of those things for the second unit. But the fact that you're bad at the two parts of the game is uh not good. Yeah. Anyway, just want to I'm gonna quickly go. I'm gonna quickly mention the Atlanta Braves just won Game Four of the World Series, three to two, come back from behind win, crazy stuff, and now they are one win away from winning the World Series, which is crazy, um, and they're heroes tonight. Interestingly enough, Jorge Soler, who they got. In a trade, midway through the season. And Dansby Swanson, who's another guy that is a good player on their team, who's been kind of up and down with the Braves um, over the last few years. But he's like... Dansby Swanson is kind of a guy you kind of forget that's on the Atlanta Braves, and he's really good. And he kind of saved Atlanta this game. So... Again, it's just top to down their lineup is pretty scary. Sorry, just like yeah. two more points in the That's Nuggets. It. Yeah. Two more points in the Nuggets. One, I'm reading a tweet right now. Michael Malone and Bones Highland. It's becoming so obvious we don't win that game without Bones Highland. Like, I think he's becoming kind of a like they need him. Yeah. Like they 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 need to keep playing him and I I do I I will always worry because the Nuggets have so much success of just like holding back on these young talents and taking their time. And they've, for the most part, they've had, like, they could go a whole year without MPJ and they were fine. Um, but I think with Jamal's injury, yeah, like they, they can't, they don't have that luxury this season. Um, and second thing is I saw a tweet from Ryan Blackburn, who's a, uh, uh, who's a, uh, Nuggets, uh, beat reporter writes about the Nuggets and, uh, the Nuggets have, it's been a, their defense has allowed a very low shooting percentage this season. Which, I know in the past, like, the the knock on them was like, yeah, their defense has good metrics right now, but um, looking at, like, the three-point percentage or the effective field goal percentage, that's not sustainable. Like, just because, the like, you don't want to be only reliant on the other team being cold. Like, that's not sustainable. But what he pointed out is that the uh, the field goal percentage that other teams are shooting against the Nuggets right now effective field goal percentage that they're allowing right now is actually very close to the expected ex- effective field goal percentage, which is a stat that I think takes in like into account shot quality and kind of uh, computes like if like what would, what's like the average or like what would you expect um, the, the other team to be making with the shots they're taking, which is something that can carry over and isn't just short term. Because if you're holding a team to bad shots, that's obviously a good. That's something you can replicate game after game. And um, the the expected FV, EFG and the actual EFG are very close. It's actually not. It's not like their opponents are just cold on shots they should be making. It's that their opponents aren't making shots they shouldn't be making anyways. They're just not like the Nuggets aren't letting them take good shots, which is obviously really good. Only a five-game sample or six-game sample, but that's a good uh, good sign yeah. for the future. 
they need they need that this season. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something that yeah, the Nuggets are going to struggle to score a little bit, and so without Jamal, and I think the where they pick up that slack is on the defensive end. Like they need to be they need to be better on the defensive end. I think because it's kind of hard to make up Jamal on the offensive end. Like I think that's just like too big of an ask. I mean, like Barton's great. Like we've been over this. Like he's had good games, but just Jamal makes that lineup just so much more dynamic in terms of on the offensive end. Like the the one two game with Jokic and Murray is really good. And when you can have that one two game and Jamal can score like forty points in a night, you have to guard him. And you have to guard him well, which opens up shooters on the outside for Jokic to pass to, like a Barton or an MPJ, to score. I mean, that, we saw that in that 10-game sample when they were on fire. Like, MPJ was, you know, getting good shots and good looks, and he was scoring a lot because... And he's not, he doesn't have the pressure of being the second-best guy, which I don't think is something that he shies away from. And I actually think, if anything, he'd rather be the number one guy than the number yeah. two guy than the number two or three guy. Um, but another thing I think people forget about last year before Jamal got hurt is he had actually made a big leap defensively. Oh, that's true. Um, I, I think some people made fun of it that he was like on at, for like a week. He was on like the watch list of top five guys who could possibly win defensive player of the year. And while I think that's a stretch and I don't know how that defensive performance would have carried over into the playoffs. Um, I think it's a really encouraging sign that he was getting better, and I don't think we should necessarily take that for granted. Now, him coming back uh, off that ACL tear will probably limit him defensively a lot. Like, not being as explosive laterally is going to really hinder how good you can be on defense. Um, But I still think, like, that's a good sign for the future that they have a guy with that... Like, once he gets himself right, he could be, uh, like... A above average perimeter defender. I do have a, so I think you're probably going to want to end this soon, but I do want to just do one more thought ex- exercise about, about this Nuggets team and just looking forward to the playoffs. And here, I'm going to pull up the uh, standings while I tell you this question so you can kind of get an idea of uh, what's realistic to expect. But what would your best case... Um, path through the West be and your worst case path through the West be. So like what three teams would you really like to play like round one, round two, round three, and which three teams would you really like, would you really hate to have to go through each time and kind of like make it logical, like where are the nuggets, where are the nuggets going to end up and who could be in that path kind of rankings wise. I'm going to pull up the standings. Um, but just like thinking about last playoffs had me thinking like that was about the worst case you could ask for. Um, you know, I would agree with that. Just like going up against two teams that both were so strong in the front court and didn't have a ton on the wings. or Well, had good role players on the wings in uh, in Phoenix's case and like a really good, a, a, a solid um, center. Um, but hold on, let me pull up the standings. Like, I honestly would rather face like the Lakers than the Suns. If it came to it, mm-hmm. um, I don't know how I feel about the. I don't know how I feel about the Jazz because Donovan, like their best player, is a guard, and we like we really we were really lucky to get through that series in the bubble. Um, but like we still got through them, and I still want to beat the fucking Jazz. 
I think oh, it's hard because I don't want to see the Suns again. I think that's I think that's a obvious point that I want to make. Like, granted, the Nuggets did beat the Suns the first game of the regular season this year, um, which I think it was a good. That was a good. And season. they 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 won that on the road too. And I actually think and they're going to be better equipped this year, even even like disregarding Marie coming back, I think they're going to be in a better position yeah. this year. Um, I, I think a team that that's on that list, that I don't know if they're going to sustain this for the whole season, but I think the Warriors could be trouble. The Warriors... That, that would be a team that I would not want because to face they're in like probably, the Because they're probably also going to have Clay Thompson back. Yeah, so I think I think time. the Warriors would be a really hard team for the Nuggets to beat in a, in a season. They... I, I, I they, just, they don't have an answer for Curry. First glance of this, of like the current Western Conference standings, I'm like, holy shit, I do not want to play the Warriors. Especially because last season, the the game, <laughs> the games where Jamal, Will Barton, and PJ Dozier got hurt were all against the Warriors. There is, there is bad mojo, there's a bad vibe with the Warriors, and I really don't want to play them. Like, I'm not... Like I think like Jokic will get his points on Draymond or whatever, but for some reason, the last season is just get like I'm just not because they're amazing, but just because I, I'm just terrified of what happens when the Nuggets play the Warriors. So I think like having to I think having to play the uh, yeah I think having to play the Trailblazers in the first round, the. Suns and the Suns and Warriors in the next two rounds. Those that that would probably be my least favorable um, route to yeah. go about this. I don't. I know you probably maybe disagree with this. I I don't like the Lakers either. I just I think if they are healthy, I don't think that's a team I want to face. Regardless, just because they have. I mean, you don't want to face them, but they you're don't want to ha- face them. Honestly, think, you're like, probably gonna have to go. There's a chance. There's Odds are you're gonna have to go through them at some point. Yeah, I think I would. We're not, we're not, so, we're not saying that. like, oh, I would like to go through the Thunder, the Spurs, and the Pelicans. Yeah, I know to, we're not saying that, <laughs> but like, if the Nuggets, if, if, if the I, Nuggets ran into like the Mavs, that would be a great match. So, so what I'm saying is like first round. Well, I think first two rounds playing. I feel like playing the, Nuggets, the Mavs and the Clippers would be my top two picks of who we'd have to play. I think those are two teams that we. I think we, we could m- definitely beat the Clippers. Oh, I think we have I the Clippers. A, I, think I think we have the Clippers number. I think. Uh, I think. Yeah. I think. Like, what? What the war? Whatever that bad vibe the Warriors have with us, we have some sort of vibe with the uh, Clippers yeah. that that will give us an advantage. I think the Nuggets though might be. I mean, granted, it's going to be dependent when Jamal gets back, but they might be a team that's like looking at like six to eight this year. Like, maybe. I I think they're still going to be top. For just because they've they they have the longest streak in the NBA of having a home court advantage, or the longest streak in the Western Conference of uh, being in those top four seeds, and I don't I th- I think Jokic is too good, and I think they're gonna like yeah I I, I, I not really, not that I think it really it's a guarantee on where they where they end I think there's a good I think they are in a good position I'm I'm saying they're probably gonna be a four, a three or four seed maybe okay, if five. they're a three or four seed and they run into like yeah maybe. The Mavericks in the first round. Yeah, I'm saying like Ma- like Mavericks, Clippers, first two rounds. I like those two matchups. I like the Clippers because I think 
Aaron Gordon just gar- guards Paul George, and Jokic torch Jokic torch them in the bubble. He's gonna torch them again. They don't have anybody to guard him, unless I guess I don't know if, a, if I don't know what Ibaka's deal is. I actually don't even know if he's on the team anymore. Um, but I get that's one that's one thing to worry about. Uh, I don't think Kawhi is gonna be back this season. Um, although Kawhi obviously changes things because of how good he is. But I think like yeah, and then the Mavs like we saw last mm-hmm. night. Like if Aaron Gordon can be just like keep Luca from being like, you know, 40, one of the forty points. Yeah, if you can just like keep him like from doing that every game, I like I like our odds. I think Jokic will eat that team. I think he'll eat those um, yeah, guys alive. The Mavericks live and die by, Luka. and they live and they live and die by the three too. Like yeah. me, I guess like the thing to worry about there is maybe the Mavericks are just super hot in the playoffs and like there's nothing we can do. Well, but, then, yeah, then, then there's nothing, like, anybody, any team could really do against that. But then when I look at the remaining teams that might, that might make the Western Conference Finals, I think, like, in terms of, if you're combining, like, who's most likely to make the Western Conference Finals and who I'd most like to play out of the teams remaining, it'd be the Lakers. Because, as I said, I don't want to play the Warriors I don't want to play the Trailblazers. I, I don't want to play the Suns. Warriors and Suns, get them the, away from me. I think the Warriors might be the worst team. I think they probably I, I think will probably be. Are. They, I, I, like, I they probably are. Time, like I know we got they burned. Don't, they don't have like if Clay Thompson is there, like they don't have an answer for that. Like Hold on one second, Curry will just torch the Nuggets. Oh yeah, like he can't. There's nobody that can guard Curry. We're we're Fox just gonna put Faku on him and hope that Faku just annoys him so much that he misses like. Well, Curry's so good shot. off ball. Like Faku's just gonna get his. I mean, Faku's not gonna be able to guard him, but at the very least, Faku. The only thing Faku will do is annoy him, which is better than nothing. I guess yeah, yeah. he's gonna he's gonna basically do best case what PJ Tucker did to Durant in the playoffs last year, which is not really do that good of a job. But just be really irritating for seven games. Yeah. Um. But uh, I, I like. I guess. I guess you go down and say like, Jazz Lakers. I think Lakers are. I just don't see the Jazz making the Western Conference Finals, which might come to bite me in the ass. Like they might be. They might just finally put. I would rather play the Lakers than the Jazz. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I would rather play the Lakers because I think that team is also super old. And yeah. I don't think they constructed that roster well over the offseason. I think uh, Carmelo was fine in it. Like, he was really solid as a role player in uh, in Portland. But I... I, I, I think it's going to take them a lot of time to figure out their chemistry as a team. Like, how does Russell Westbrook fit into that offense? We, a guy who's, we, not, who's historically been not the best to have in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and which I'm not putting him down. Like, he's still a guy, like, you gotta worry about. Yeah. But I... I don't know. Maybe LeBron will figure about the... Cause honestly, like, with LeBron, there's a better chance than not that that roster is gonna look completely different by the end of the season. That he will have, like... Half those guys are just not gonna be there anymore. And, like, they'll be... It'll be completely different. And maybe that'll change things. Um, but... Like, sometimes, like, if the other team's just hitting shots and you can't beat them, then, I mean, you can't beat them. But I I think Jokic showed he can really, like, Anthony Davis is a good, is, like, one of the best defenders in the NBA. 
but Jokic isn't going to be like that deterred by him. Um, that game, that game where Anthony Davis hit that three uh, to win it at the buzzer, Jokic scored like 10, 15 points in a row to get to put the Nuggets up, like got, get him back from like eight down. So I think Jokic will do fine there. I don't like maybe LeBron guards Jamal, but then MPJ. Hopefully MPJ will be back to normal, and then it's just about like are the threes going in. Are the role players hitting threes? Um, not that MPJ is a role player, but like, is he going to be hitting threes? Is Malik Monk on the? Uh, yeah, I think like, like going to hit threes. I think if Jamal's back and he's like somewhat, if he's like eighty-five percent, even like if MPJ is hitting shots, I don't think there's a single team that can beat the Nuggets. If MPJ is like a problem. The Nuggets oh. look really good. Oh, they just go off. Yeah. Oh. Uh. Well, we lost our video. Yeah? Uh, well, Is it back? Got it back? Yeah? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up. Anyway, we're probably about wrapped up here anyway, but... Oh, charge the battery pack. Ah! Oh, anyway. We talked for so long that the battery died. Wild. Um... I think this is probably a good oh god stopping point then. Yeah, I think um, that, I think that's as the world saying please shut up. Yeah. Um I do want to leave the listeners with um one thing to worry about or think about. Um Atlanta just went up 3-1 in a series. Oh god. Have a good night. <laughs>